Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Good evening everyone. Welcome back to our Wednesday evening podcast. We're glad that you're able to join us tonight. And we're going to be looking at a journey to paradise tonight as we continue our study through the book of Second Corinthians. And the Apostle Paul tells us about an experience and we'll look at that as we read these scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read the verse six, first six verses of this chapter as we look at tonight's message. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was called up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weakness. Even if I should boast, uh, choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do, or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Let us pray. Father, thank you again for the reading of your word and for the opportunity to be able to be together with your people tonight as we open your word and as we think about things that are really marvelous and wonderful as we think about the future and what you have in store for us and I pray your blessings on this message and we ask it in Jesus name amen have you ever wondered what things are going to be like after you die what is heaven going to be for you for any individual as they go from this body and they become a part of whatever God has for those in the heaven that we go to. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. This is what he is relating as we look at these verses of Scripture. You see, he was given a glimpse into this paradise. He was given a glimpse into what heaven is going to be like. And so, he moves in his account of remarkable spiritual experiences to something that happened to him 
in his life, which was granted to him as an apostle of the Lord. He was reluctant to write about this experience, but he's been forced to, to prove his apostleship. Still, this boasting refers not to what Paul had done, but what God had done. He is simply the subject of the vision and revelation granted by God. In this vision, he's caught up to heaven, receives communications and revelations that he can't even share. He, he's not even able to put into human words. This is what he means by what he says here. This was to him and to all who believe God's word a more reliable evidence of his apostleship than anything else he's ever given. Now, let's compare visions and revelations as he talks about them in verse 1. He is forced to say that the Corinthians might look at him from God's perspective. He said, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to gain. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. You see, these things came from God. And his reluctance increases as he discloses what was probably the most intimate and sacred of all his Christian experiences. Now we could think of the Damascus Road experience that he has as he first met Jesus as he first understood that he was persecuting him. We could uh, think about other things that he has talked about actually in, in this particular book, in the book of Second Corinthians, as he related other things that he had gone through. But this is probably the greatest experience that he's ever had. He relates that he's speaking only because circumstances have compelled him to do so. Like the apostles' external crea uh, credentials, his visions and revelations was not profitable or an excuse because it would not build individuals up. This is what he's saying. He wants to give things that are going to help individuals understand their need of salvation, help individuals grow in their Christian faith. This is his primary function, primary function. Not to exalt himself and not to boast about things that he's achieved or that he's accomplished. If this were not so, he could have given many things, I think, that would bolster himself, that would exalt himself, like these false apostles, these false witnesses were doing in Corinth that he was facing and that he was rebuking. In his adversities, He is boasting that he might be able to explain himself 
and show himself to be true to God and true to those that were his people that he ministered to. If his adversaries falsely claimed to have received their teaching directly from God, the Apostle Paul could truly claim his was as well. He had repeated visions. We could name many scriptures, especially in the book of Acts, that deal with this. And he claimed to speak by direct revelation. The books of 1 Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians all deal with these particular things. Revelation is apocalypsis. Apo, meaning from away, and kalippa, to cover. Literally, to remove the cover, to unveil. It is the unveiling of something hidden which gives light and knowledge to those who behold it, who are able to look at it. It can then, then be a special insight into a spiritual truth. Ephesians 1.17 tells us about that. Revelations are more general than visions. One might have revelation without visions, but a person cannot have visions without something be re being revealed, without revelation. Visions, dreams, and trances are hard to distinguish. A vision comes to someone in an entranced state. Isaiah 1.1, Ezekiel 12.27, and other verses. And brings revealed knowledge. It gives a special awareness of what God is doing or what He's going to do. The Apostle Paul mentions these to show the supreme height to which he was raised through these special experiences from the Lord. This boast is not of his ability or his superior power, for this was all the Lord's doings. He is simply his he is simply his to do with as God would please. They constitute a reminder of something that no doubt stands out in a most incredible way as an experience that the Apostle Paul had in his life. Probably the most incredible experience. To counterbalance these exalting experiences, he was given a thorn in the flesh, verse 7 tells us, so that he would not glory in himself, but that he would glory in God and his grace. Now notice that he was caught up, caught up to heaven, verses 2 and through 4 tells us. One vision which, which Paul is now telling us about is his ecstatic episode in which he had been transported to paradise. Notice this verse, verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Now, notice that he says that he doesn't know whether he was in the body or out of the body. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But notice he is saying 
that he was caught up to the third heaven. A single incident here is reported. Although this person that he's talking about is not mentioned as who this person was, it was clear by the reading that he's speaking of himself, of his own experience, as we look at the context of what he says. This experience was completely unsought by him. It wasn't something that he asked God to give him. And it's been 14 years ago that this incident took place. And this is the first time that he's publicly spoken of it, let alone boasted of it. 14 years since its occurrence. And this was prior to the time that he was writing this letter. So it was probably about 44 A.D., around that time. So it was not his Damascus Road experience that I mentioned a moment ago. It would seem to fit with his apparent stoning to death at Lystra in Acts 14 verse 19. Now we know that Stephen had a heavenly vision during his stoning, Acts chapter 7 verses 54 through 60. But we can't be for certain when the Apostle Paul had this experience himself. Others have dated it to when he was at Tarsus, waiting for the Lord to point out the work that he wanted him to do. And this would have been somewhere between Acts chapter 9, verse 30, and chapter 11, verse 25. So if you want a vision from heaven, just be stoned for preaching the Word. The Apostle Paul is sure that this remarkable experience had occurred, but he's uncertain whether or not he experienced this in a rapture experience as in the body or out of the body. Now body raptures are not something that was impossible. Nothing is impossible with God, is it? Two instances are recorded in the Old Testament. Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 and Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 2. Of course, Jesus Christ had a bodily rapture into heaven in Acts 1 verse 9 where He's caught up in a cloud, you remember at any rate, such a one was caught up, the Apostle Paul tells us. This term is used in regard to Philip in Acts chapter 8, verse 39. And rapture is being caught up. It's a form of the Greek word used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 in reference to the rapture of the saints the rapture of God's people at the end time. But the Apostle Paul tells us that he was raptured, that he was caught up to the third heaven, and the third heaven denotes a place, a place that's beyond the immediate heaven, 
the heavens that are just above us where the birds fly and the rain comes down, where earth's atmosphere is, and beyond the other heaven that we talk about where the planets are, the galaxies, space. But he was raptured to a third place and this is in the very presence of God where God himself is. That's beyond everything that's above those that I've just mentioned. Hebrews chapter 4 and chapter 7, Ephesians chapter 4, talk about this. The first heaven is just above us. The second heaven is further out. And the third heaven is the unique dwelling place of God, far above everything else that's known. As we get more powerful telescopes like the Hubble that was put up, and I think they have another one out there today that's supposed to be even better than that one, they're not going to see this third heaven. It's far above everything that God has made. Now he's uncertain to whether he was in the body or he was disembodied. It really doesn't matter, does it? This was the place that he was able to see and understand and know whether he was in the body or out of the body. And this is the place where God's people go at death. So as we think about what the Apostle Paul is describing here, he's describing what we would refer to as heaven. He's called, he calls it here paradise, doesn't he? And it teaches us that Human words are not capable of relaying the experience that one has as they're there in the presence of God. We're not able with a human tongue to describe that place. And he was called up to paradise and heard teachings that are inexpressible. Things that no one is permitted to tell, he says. Now, if the third heaven describes the place of the rapture into paradise, specifically the wonder of the rapture, the third heaven, as he says in verse 2, or paradise in verse 4, he's talking about the same place, isn't he? Paradise is a word that comes from the Persian language. And it means an enclosed park, a garden, a pleasure ground. Something that they would use to describe a glorious place. Well, you see, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us, isn't he? In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, it says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. You see, this is the place that God is preparing for us in the future. Now it may be assumed he witnessed the state in a disembodied spirit as the redeemed as they die. It's a blissful experience to be at home with the Lord as Chapter 5, verse 8 talks about. And 
that individual is completely satisfied. He is in a wondrous, glorious place. But, it's incomplete in that he doesn't have his resurrected body yet. We could reference many scriptures. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Then the redeemed of the Lord will shine forth in the full splendor of eternal Christ-likeness. There the Apostle Paul heard inexpressible words. An oxymoron speaking which may not be spoken. <laughs> For even the heavenly state is beyond words. For it has not entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love Him. 1 Corinthians tells us. Human language is too mundane and inadequate to describe things that transcend all knowledge. It's beyond comprehension. We must speak of paradise to describe a state of heaven to define what it's like. But, truth is, we're stepping over the threshold into another dim dimension. A reality not of this world. Infinite. Eternal. Something that's inexpressible. Something that's beyond our ability to talk about. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Holy Scriptures will occasionally part the mist of the future and what eternity is like and we're able to gain a brief glimpse into the glory that's yet to be revealed and there's so many scriptures that do that but we can't really understand it until we there we'll we'll be there until we experience it ourselves so, by means of this experience, the Apostle Paul was granted a view of the incredible glory that lies ahead, lies beyond us. And he lets us know that he was there, even though he's not able to tell us and describe all that he saw. He thus knows that the suffering of this present age were not worthy to be compared with the glory that's yet to come. Romans 8, 18 tells us. The Bible is full of figurative language. Scripture contains different metaphors, parables, allergy, uh, allegories, irony, and even sarcasm sometimes to give God's message so that people can hear it and understand. So heaven is described in, in figurative language. It's a wonder why God chose to speak to us about heaven at all. <laughs> because we can't really understand it, can we? But someday we will when we arrive there. Now, let us notice verses 5 and 6. 
He says, on behalf of such a man, speaking of the individual that was either in the body or out of the body, on behalf of such a man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except in regard to my weakness. Such an honor would have made most people very proud. They would have gone about boasting about what they had experienced. But the Apostle Paul talks about his weakness, his trials, his tribulations, the trouble that he'd had, his broken body, mind, emotions, and spirit. For these areas become the very place where God could do the greatest work in and through him. He would not be like his opponents who gloried in their earthly state of pride, self-vaulting. That's not becoming of an individual who is a minister of Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul calls it foolish. But he also calls it false. For God alone is due all the glory, not man. So, boasting may include many things. Notice verse 6. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. So no one would think of me more than is warranted by what I do. The Apostle Paul did not go around boasting, especially about the things that he treasured most in his life. He just kept the vision in his heart as evidence of his faith, which continued to send him into the mission field that's wide into harvest. Yet all his boasts were true were about true circumstances, true occurrences. Not to mention all the other reasons he could boast in his gifts, his seeing souls saved, the dead raised, the people healed. But he didn't dwell on those things. The reason he did not dwell on these things was that others might think too highly of him if he did. And he didn't want to be judged by the past or what he said about himself, but that men should judge him by what they presently heard and they saw in what he was doing. Today, many have elevated the apostles of Christ to some superhuman status. Yet in the Gospels, we see how ordinary the apostles were in their natural state. Even with Jesus as their teacher and companion. What happened is that the power of the Holy Spirit that can transform ordinary lives into extraordinary got hold of their lives. Look at the book of Acts and and see this transformation. It is ever the work of the Holy Spirit to miraculously transform lives. The very same power alive in the lives of the apostles is available for us today. And as with them, all the glory belongs to God. The Apostle Paul was told about 
many individuals who were bragging on themselves. But Paul has told us this incident to show that he had been uniquely touched by God. Through this vision, we have learned that paradise is not a shadowy waiting room, but a blissful place of unspeakable glory. Its glory is that of the ultimate heavenly glory, which is the glory of paradise of the Son of God that we read about in the book of Revelation. There in the paradise of God, the soul of the saints are at home with Christ, the last Adam. There, they are beyond the reach of sin that the first Adam plunged us into. And without fear of being driven out, as happened in the first paradise. There, these individuals await the crowning consummation of their redemption, which is the union of soul and resurrected body, when the new heaven and new earth will be introduced and all God's purposes in creation will be completed and eternally fulfilled. Well, we're looking forward to that today. We'll be looking forward to that in that heavenly state. And we'll even be looking forward to that during the millennial kingdom. Because all is not going to happen at once, is it? Let me ask you a question. Are you certain about your eternal future? Are you going to paradise when you die? When you leave this body? Do you have the assurance in your soul that you will be absent from the body and present and at home with the Lord? As the Bible tells us. God is seeking to reveal Himself to you today. He wants to come and live with you here and now so that you can live with Him there and then. Will you let Him in? Will you be a child of God? Will you trust Him as your personal Savior? And then for us who know Him as our Savior, Romans 8.14 asks us, if we will be led by the Spirit as we live this life in this world. Father, thank You for the reading of Your Word today. Thank You for all the promises that You give. And I pray Your blessings on Your people. And I pray that You would be with those that don't know You tonight. And I pray for their salvation. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.